0: Hi, and welcome to The Bipolar Feminist. We are here with Len Penny, or Miss Penny Penny from TikTok, who is joining us today, the Scots Word of the Day person, who is a raging <laughs> feminist and a wonderful, wonderful human being. Welcome, Len. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. So first, let's get into how you made your start. I know it was under lockdown and yeah. TikTok and Scots Word of the Day.
1: So I actually worked in a restaurant uh, for a while. I was cooking and I was waiting tables and I was bartending. And uh, when everything happened in the lockdown in Scotland was a massive, massive deal. Like you couldn't go anywhere, you couldn't do anything. Uh, My job uh, closed for a while and I was put on furlough, which is where they'll pay you, you know, a certain amount of your salary. But you don't have to go into work, which was for me excellent because it meant that I could actually take some time to myself because at that point I had been studying full-time working full-time I was exhausted so I got a couple of months of just burnout free creativity and in that time I, I decided to start making videos because I've never really seen myself as someone who could do this sort of thing but because I had time and I had a little bit of something behind me that just made me think right I'll give it a go and if it doesn't work I'll never do it again and then it started to work and from that it's mm-hmm. continued to work so I'll keep nice. going as long as it starts working. <laughs> and
0: what made you start the Scots word of the day? I know you do speak Scots.
1: Mm-hmm. So what it was was basically I have a lot of friends from university or from just my, my life that are not from Scotland um, who have either moved to Scotland or still live abroad and when I was speaking inadvertently scots words would slip in and i'd always get people saying oh, what, what's a wane what's a piece you know what's and mm-hmm. all these things and, and i mm-hmm. used to think well i could just send them the dictionary definition but that's a bit dry and bland and, and i had found through learning spanish and other languages that sometimes that can really put you off language acquisition because you can mm-hmm. kind of think okay it's word after word and it's not really engaging so i thought right i'll make a wee video. And then, uh, yeah, after that, it was just, everyone was requesting words and, and now I've got onto some really obscure, cool ones that even I didn't know before I started this project.
0: And how much Scots have you learned since starting to do this that you didn't know?
1: So much. I think people don't realise maybe that Scots has so many dialects in it from all over the country and, uh, oh. and, and even over in, in the north of Ireland um, with Ulster Scots. So from this... I've actually been able to to augment my knowledge of Scots, which is really good because at my core, I am a massive nerd. So the fact that, you know, (laughs) I can constantly be learning and and getting new words and stuff, it's just, it's been the most fun ever.
0: So tell me about Scots as a language, because a lot of people deny that it's a language and say that it's slang. And so many people say that Scots cannot be recognised as a language.
1: I think for me, it's interesting because when you approach it from a completely apolitical perspective which is what I try to do with Scots obviously no language exists in a vacuum and Scots is inherently political but when you try and approach it as if you're you know uh, some sort of anthropologist and you're looking at Scots just purely linguistically there's no argument to be made that it's just a dialect because any argument that you make immediately falls flat on its face when you compare it to other languages you know It's a sister language to English and shares as much mutual intelligibility as Spanish and Portuguese or or certain, you know, Scandinavian languages. And the only reason that it gets called a dialect is because people have these preconceived notions of Scots as being anti-English or as being inherently in opposition to English. And when you look at it like that, obviously, people are scared. They don't want, you know, kids to learn it instead of English. And and they they let Mm -hmm. their biases influence them but for me as someone who doesn't approach this as a political project it it just feels it's so wonderful to have this language that English speakers can take to really easily because they already know so many words eh, and so many grammatical constructions that just make language learning so much easier you know for me every time I see a cognate I don't think oh this is just English in an accent I think oh excellent another word I don't have to learn (laughs) (laughs) And I was like that with Spanish. You know, every time I would learn a Spanish word that was similar to the English equivalent, I'd be thinking, great, another word I do not have to learn.
0: That's amazing. But I do want to touch on the politicization of Scots. And for me, it feels like not anti-English, but almost a response to the English having stolen so much from Scottish people. And how do you feel about that?
1: I think that that's an interesting perspective. I don't know if I share that perspective purely because for me I look at Scots as having evolved parallel to English mm. and you can you can see that across the language and it is evolved it evolved itself from old English and mm-hmm. for me I, I don't see it as much as a response to English as I do just a very very close sibling and they don't always get on and they're not always <laughs> the same and you know they're like they're like my yeah. eyebrows they're definitely not twins <laughs> but yes they, i get you they share, they share enough similarity that i think there is a certain degree of fraternity between them and i just wish with all of my heart that in previous years there could have been more of that fraternity and that the languages could have been allowed to evolve to the same extent parallel to each other because at some point along the timeline the sharing between the languages and the evolution of of Scots was stunted by, as you say, you know, certain uh, political and, and social challenges, things like, you know, it getting beaten out of, of kids in school. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, what you're actually doing is halting growth and forcing a language to kind of go underground, which It is is good in some ways because it was preserved so beautifully in working class communities and in the home. But it also, you know, I kind of mourn the loss of professional Scots because there was a point in history where Scots was the sort of language of kings and courts and, and some of those words still exist today in the legal system with Scots law. But there's a certain type of Scots, this sort of professional, fluent, gorgeous you know, really, really formal Scots that I really wish we'd had the chance to see develop further.
0: Mm -hmm. And the death of language does inherently come with marginalization. Mm -hmm. This is one of the reasons I say that Scots is an inherently political language because language being tied to a colonizer's language is inherently political. So what we have in South Africa is we speak what is called Bhojpuri Hindi, which is not Mm. a really, it's not really a, dialect of Hindi but it is kind of but it's also very far removed from how Hindi has evolved in India because mm-hmm. our people were removed from India in 1860. Of course. So the languages didn't grow like it grew completely parallel to each other rather than with each other.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so in that way I do think languages are inherently political especially when touched by colonization. And your Scots pride has pushed a lot of people into learning the language and started speaking the language more, being Mm -hmm. more proud of being Scottish, being proud of being brown and
1: Scottish. So what do you feel about that impact? I think that it breaks my heart to think that people are feeling empowered or feeling that they need to be empowered by me. Because Uh, all I'm doing is trying to convey language and augment vocabularies and make people feel as if they're valid. I obviously want to empower people linguistically, but I do not feel that I, in any way, should be the reason that, for example, a person of colour living in Scotland should feel empowered to speak Scots. Because for me, as far as I'm concerned, there is absolutely no reason for a person of colour living in Scotland to have ever felt as though they can't speak the language or feel proud of being Scottish. And it is one of the great shames of Scotland that there are people who would go out of their way to make others feel like that. And I see it a lot when, you know, there are people who are creators on TikTok. They will, they will speak of their own authentic Scottish experience and their experience of Scotland and will be talked over by people who have never been to Scotland, have no idea what Scottish culture is like, but because they view Scottishness as some sort of blood and soil nationalism, you know, an an ethno-nationalism, because they view that as their divine right to dictate what Scottishness is, they will actually Mm -hmm. make people of colour living in Scotland doubt themselves or, you know, Feel as though they can't speak, and 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 it makes me really angry because if anything, what I want to do is empower people to be themselves and to speak the way they want to. Mm-hmm. But obviously, you, you know, I can come on and say, "Oh, Scotland's great. Scotland's accepting. Scotland is diverse, and it's all of those things." But it is not without its own issues that we need to address, and and I hope that through my content, I can kind of if anything else, help people feel in themselves that they can speak about those issues and then I'll sit back and listen. You know, I don't ever want to be Mm. a voice speaking over somebody. So in every sort of aspect of what I do, whether it's talking about trans rights or talking about, you know, equality and diversity and things like that, I want to make sure that I get my foot in the door and then hold the door open so that other people can walk Mm -hmm. through the door and start speaking. Because I never, I don't want to be, you know, at the end of the day, I'm a wee white lassie that looks exactly like, you know, an extra from Brave. I'm not, <laughs> anybody, that, I'm not anybody that should be speaking over anybody else about equality or diversity. And mm. I think sometimes people will listen to what I say purely based on the fact that I embody what they believe Scottishness to look like, which is mm. ironic because my dad's not even Scottish. But yet nobody's, <laughs> nobody's coming into my comment section saying, what's your blood quantum line? Because I look the way people expect Scottishness to look. So all I want to do is highlight to people that I'm not all there is in Scotland. I'm not all there should be in Scotland. I'm not hopefully all there will be in Scotland.
0: Yeah, you did mention something that I wanted to touch on, though. Yeah. The comparison to Merida. (laughs) It it gets mentioned every single live. And do you think that it's like, I know it's overdone. But that comparison, uh, what do you think about it?
1: I think it's 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 interesting because for a lot of people living out with Scotland, um, and I'm particularly thinking about America, that will be that film that you know Brave will be the only representation of Scottishness that they will see, and naturally they will view that as authentic because they hear Scottish accents and they think right that's it. It's the same way as Outlander right now is given a lot of people cause to believe that that's an authentic representation of Scotland. And I try to demystify Scotland and make it not as exotic and make it more real. But at the end of the day, um, it's a kind of an uphill battle because that sort of stuff makes a lot of money. and mm-hmm. And viewing culture through a kind of Americanized lens will always make more money because it makes it palatable to people who will not see authentic culture as interesting. You know, mm-hmm. they they want it to be this romanticised Sir Walter Scott, every clan has a tartan, you know, this is my blood and my... They want that, and I'm not ever going to be selling that because it's not authentic culture. For me, anything done by a Scottish person is Scottish culture. My videos are Scottish culture, as mm-hmm. are the videos of Scottish people of colour. Yes. You know, that that is modern Scottish culture, and that's what I want to see more of. I, I take massive issue with the fact that Brave is used as some kind of paradigm of Scottishness when, from a linguistic perspective, the representation of Scots in that movie was really upsetting for me because it, it mocked it. It made it some sort of joke and it used Doric as a way, the, the Northeast East uh, dialect of the Scots language Doric, it used mm-hmm. that as a kind of stick to beat scotland with and and i Mm. i think it's a lot of the times scottish people are complicit in their own like jokification that's a word now you know (laughs) yeah i'm coining it (laughs) um because a lot a lot of scots um a lot of the only time that people growing up in scotland will see the scots language is in comedy and scots is Mm -hmm. the appropriate language for comedy you know frankie boyle billy Connolly. All these people who use Scots as a comedic medium. And that's great because Scots is funny. But when the laughter stops, there's still a language with a terrible, terrible history to it. And when you try and speak about things as I do, you know, feminist topics or mental health or even things like heartbreak and romance, people often say it's not the appropriate medium for that sort of thing. I, I wrote a eulogy for a, a, a shooting that we had, a school shooting in a town mm. that I am actually actually lived in. And a lot of people were commenting, because i had written the eulogy in Scots, that it was inappropriate to eulogize children. And then they said, drop the shtick, you know, drop the, drop the act for 10 minutes and just be serious. And it was interesting to me how this sort of conception of Scots as a joke is is so hard for people, even Scottish people, to overcome and overlook. And I think Brave kind of plays into that, as do, as do a lot mm-hmm. of, you know, Americanized Scottish media, where it's the joke is, we can't understand him. and they never think to ask why.
0: Uh-huh. It's it's like um it's like somebody speaking louder to you in the hopes that you'll understand in a language that you don't.
1: Yeah, it's it's like I mean,
0: it's like talking down.
1: That's it, and you see it a lot in kind of Americanized media, where the joke is the accent. The joke is we can't understand you, and it's like when people comment or oh, say "purple burglar alarm." Okay, well, what's uh-huh. funny about that—the sparrowbacked vowel and alarum? is it because that comes from Gaelic speakers learning English? You know, uh-huh. is it is it uh-huh. the the rolled R, the rhotic accent? Is that what's funny? And then yeah. you have Scottish people obviously playing into that, saying, oh, "I can't say purple You can say it. You can say
0: it.
1: When the camera stops, they can say it, but it's them sort of playing into it for for you know likes and views, which. You know, we're all guilty of, we all want the likes and the views, otherwise yeah. we wouldn't be doing it. But when it comes at the expense of an already marginalised way of speaking, it, it kind of it annoys me a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. Going back to the idea that a lot of people speak over people of colour from Scotland. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I've always heard you say in lives is anybody who lives in Scotland is Scottish.
1: Yeah, I mean. And I mean, that is something only... I love. Yeah. I, I really, I, I hate that that's often a controversial statement because, mm-hmm. you know, for me, and this is, obviously I am only speaking for myself, obviously there's people in Scotland who don't feel the same, but for me, I don't see nationality as this sort of ethnically bound, rigid thing. We were put on this planet and we divided ourselves up into groups. You know, if you look down into my DNA, I'm sure you're not going to see 100% Scottish. I hope mm. not, because... Well, that would be a terrible case of inbreeding, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's yeah. If if I chose to, you know, make my home in Scotland as someone who had come from a different place, potentially free fleeing war or you know, just because I wanted to, I would want that culture and that country to accept me,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I would want to be as as accepting of that culture as I could be, and and I I think that Scottish culture is one that does not need to be gate kept. You know what? Uh-huh. What is it that they're trying so hard to fight to protect? You know, is it the haggis? Is it what? What? What is it that they? <laughs> you know, they can't stand other people partaking in. And I think that Scottishness is is a concept. It's a social construct. There is no uh-huh. there is no such thing as someone who is ethnically Scottish. I hate that. I hate that term. <laughs> I hate. <it. laughs> me I'm too. I'm like, what? Because no, as I say, nobody's. I've not done twenty three in me. Nobody's ever asked me to. The only time people bring up ethnically Scottish is so they can dunk on some person who's not white. It's so weird. I hate it.
0: Mm-hmm. And ultimately, black and brown folk in the country pay the price for that.
1: Yes. Yes, they do. And it's awful.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's it's like, you know, why, why have they, and when I say they, I'm generalising, but why have people in america some of them not all but some of them why have they gotten so wedded to the idea that who you are lives in your veins that Mm -hmm. they cannot conceive of of an identity being anything other than what is in your blood it just makes absolutely no sense to me
0: yeah because blood quantum is a colonial construct
1: absolutely and and they i've had so many arguments where they they'll say Oh, yeah, but, but but I'm not meaning it in a racist way. I'm just saying that like, I have heritage from Scotland. And I say, I. but you could have asked your granny that. You did not need to spit in a cup and get them to analyse your DNA to tell you that you have heritage from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I think people confuse what I say when I say that being, you know, having Scottish heritage doesn't let you jump the queue when it comes to accessing Scottish culture. They think mm-hmm. I'm saying you're at the back of the queue, I'm actually saying there is no queue. Come away in. Like what uh, there's no there is no queue. There's absolutely no queue to culture. There's no hierarchy. If you, you've, you know, come to Scotland, you just come out like join in the culture, have fun. Mm-hmm. Like it, you know ha have a great time because there's absolutely no need for us to be saying, well, you know, Scotland is is just for white people. Why? Why? Yeah. Why? What What reason other than just pure racism can somebody yeah. have for wanting to apply blood quantum to Scottishness? Because at the end of the day, when you say, oh, I'm half this, I'm half that, I'm two thirds that, I'm three quarters that, what, are you going to hack off the bits of you and just <laughs> dump them in Scotland? Like, what is, what is the deal?
0: When people tell me that they're this percentage, that, that percentage, that, I ask, are you 2% milk?
1: Yeah. <laughs> It's it's crazy and it's so mad. It, it negates also a, a very it's kind of a whitewashing of history because if you look at certain communities, you know, I'm thinking specifically of, of things in, in the Caribbean and that. Why do you think that there's such a, a, a you know a heavy Scots influence linguistically in some of some languages in, in certain countries and why do you think that certain people who do get their blood tested, who are people of colour, will come up with a high Scottish percentage? It's because Scotland is not some bastion of moral purity. We were not some, you know, poor people who got roped into something we didn't understand. We were complicit and active in the colonization of other countries. Mm. So we have absolutely no right to be claiming some sort of, you know, exemption from any of these social constructs. And that's why I'm extremely careful to never play into that sort of 1%, 2% nonsense because we are already complicit enough in colonization and racism and discrimination. We do not need to continue and perpetuate these heinous things.
0: Yeah. I'm glad you touched on mental health because, (laughs) you know, the bipolar feminist is about feminism and mental health. But mm. touching on all of these subjects, you've spoken quite openly about your mental health struggles. Can you tell me mm. more about that?
1: Um, I was going to say I'm mental, but <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I mean, aren't short, we all?
1: Sure I, but I, I, I struggle a lot with my mental health. A lot. Mm. it is it, something that I think people. I'm also. I'm very careful not to glamorize this on social media because there's a, a misconception of specifically female mental health issues where Mm -hmm. there's sort of mascara tears you know waiting for someone to come and pick you up and it's it's a very toxic attitude because I think mental illness can be disgusting sometimes and I say that as someone who is frequently mentally ill to the point where it gets disgusting but I mean that that we should not shy away from talking about the disgusting bits the week and a half since you've showered the six weeks since you've brushed your hair, the 18 months since you brushed your teeth and every couple of months someone will come and say you know celebrating that they've they've brushed their teeth the first time in a year and the comments Mm -hmm. will inevitably be full of these sort of be kind mental health awareness people saying "Ooh, that's gross and it's like people forget Mm that that's that they're so willing to admit that someone can be so mentally ill that they kill themselves but they're Mm -hmm. not willing to accept that someone can be so mentally ill that they cannot brush their teeth. Mm Mm-hmm it's It's like this sort of apathy towards the struggle and then a, a sort of mourning of the tragedy,
0: yeah. I feel that a lot of people, especially on social media, it's not the glamorization that bothers me. It's the idea of be there when the shit is really, really rough. Mm-hmm. but not, but people not being there for the journey, people not wanting to either document I know I understand why not but not wanting to document or not wanting to speak the truth about the journey itself like today I almost didn't shower I have gone a total of 1776 days of showering in a row and that for me is like wow thank you and that for me is huge and there's a reason that I tell people that like I have gone more than 1,700 days of showering. And they're like, but why is that a big deal? Because it is a fucking huge deal.
1: Yes, it's when I'm
0: When I'm in bed and I haven't showered for three days and you know that that is when I'm spiraling.
1: Yeah, that's it. And, and the thing yeah. is, I think showering is a really good thing to have done because if you look at it, if you strip it back to its bare bones, it's an act of self-worship. Mm-hmm. and self-love too and it, and it has so many connotations of sort of renewal cleansing replenishing you know just even the act of, of being in the same space as that sort of you know that powerful element of water i'm, I'm making it poetic but do you know what i mean it's, it's a sort of it's a sort of self-love that i think you neglect when you neglect yourself it's not mm-hmm. because you want to die it's because you don't see yourself as being worthy of living yeah so I'm really proud of you for that.
0: Thank you. May I ask what your diagnosis is?
1: Uh, so it's the depression and uh, anxiety as well, and then also have a uh, PTSD. <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm laughing, but you know it's it's weird to say it all out loud. But um... yeah,
0: no, it really is. And all of these diagnoses when people say these words depression anxiety ptsd cptsd mm-hmm. we have this idea that oh these are things that can be fixed with therapy and medication yeah and you being one of these very very socially aware and aware of oppression as a tool of um as a tool of beating down the most yeah. vulnerable How do you feel mental health links with that kind of the identity that you have built on TikTok as an activist, as a writer?
1: I think I wrote I wrote about mental health a while ago and I was very careful to shy away from using capitalism as a way to fix depression because it's marketed towards women as you know get a bath bomb self care buy yourself mm-hmm. this you'll feel it. and it's like it's 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 often it's it's impossible for me to extricate um capitalism and mental illness because for me they're the same they're two sides of the same coin one mm. one cannot exist without the other because yep. we're burnt out why are we burnt out we have to work why do we have to work earn money why can't we stop working because we'll die we'll starve oh okay so i'm burnt out already okay that's great foundation for mental illness awful right okay i'm gonna access support how do i access support i pay money how do i get money from working okay excellent what if i can't afford it well i don't get it Mm -hmm. you know i'm very very lucky in scotland that you know i have access to the nhs and i'm i feel extremely extremely privileged to be able to do that but at the same time the waiting lists can be over two years for a mental health appointment Oof. and what do you do then you just don't kill yourself for two years you put it on the back burner mm-hmm. it's, it's you know or you go on medication and the medication helps because that's what medication is designed to do but for me medication helped for a while but without addressing the very deep issues that i had in myself i mm-hmm. was going to be you know dependent on medication for years and years and years
0: and then you can find apps like better help that are like ludicrously expensive
1: that's it and it's, mm-hmm. it's like you can you can afford to have good mental health mm-hmm. and that's why when people say oh it's so good that the celebrity talking about their mental health i think to myself yes and what what are they going to do to help ensure that other people are able to access the quality of care that they are? So yeah. I'm never going to say to people, oh, go to therapy, just go to therapy. Therapy's get-. Therapy doesn't help in one session. Therapy doesn't mm-hmm. help in two sessions. Therapy is about building a years and years and years long relationship with yourself and your therapist and working through things. It's It's not something that you can just prescribers i mean i'm i'm very very cognizant of the fact that i will probably have depression anxiety ptsd symptoms from now until the day that i die the same way that i've got eczema and i'm probably never i'm probably always gonna have flare-ups but mm-hmm. through the right creams and the right regimes and things like that i can manage my flare-ups of my eczema i can mm-hmm. also manage the flare-ups of my mental health by taking the appropriate steps but I believe that healthcare should be free. I think it's a fundamental human right to have healthcare. But, you know, that's yes. apparently a controversial opinion.
0: <laughs> apparently, because I said it to my dad one day. He's like, hey, how's your therapy going? I said to him, you can't self care your way out of oppression, out of systemic oppression. No. And he tilted his head. He looked at me. He's like,
1: I think we did a good job raising you. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. it, it seeks to provide the cure for the illness it created you know Mm. capitalism it's like if you only were to buy this you'd be happy and it creates a kind of competitive structure that you will compete in everything you know you will compete with your friends you will compete with your family you'll compete with yourself and at the end of the day it's ludicrous there is absolutely no reason for us to work five days a week to sleep for two i don't and and the more i've become socially aware and, and it's definitely a journey but the more i do that the more I realise how it makes no sense. None of it makes mm-hmm. any sense. It, it, the whole system is is rigged. And yet there are people who defend it to the death.
0: Mm-hmm. And there are people in supposedly socialist countries who want to move towards capitalism. Like, oh, it's You're not going to get free healthcare. Uh, you're not going to get minimum
1: wage. <laughs> so um, why are you campaigning against yourself here? it's awful we have so many strikes going on at the minute and mm-hmm. people keep saying, you know they're trying to get rid of the right to protest in the uk and it's mm-hmm. um it's phenomenal because people seem to forget the fact that protest has never been peaceful mm-hmm. it's it's never you know the suffragettes i was speaking to someone about this today suffragettes were, were blowing things up mm-hmm. and trying to blow things up and now now we've whitewashed it to think oh they were peaceful they were just women who just wanted rights, and we just gave them it without any, yeah. you know, any pushback. And it's like you have ruined history, you know. I, I yeah, and at, making at it palatable. Time, yeah, that's it. And at, at the same time, suffragettes are a, pal- a palatable cause because they were white cis women who were campaigning for white cis women to get rights. So yes. you know, they, they're palatable. They're great. And now you've got people who are like gluing themselves to the road. And like, you know, lying down and and destroying monuments and people are like, oh, that's awful. They're just turning people away from the cause. And it's like,
0: Mm. but you're still talking Mm. about
1: them, which is the point of protest. It's to provoke discussion. So it's working as far as I'm concerned.
0: Absolutely. I have a book suggestion for you. Oh, excellent. White Tears, Brown Scars, How White Feminism Betrays Women of Colour by Ruby Hamad. It is brilliant. And it talks about where white feminism comes from, and the idea of this whiteness being the way in which women, are, white women, mm-hmm. are made the damsels in distress and therefore always mm-hmm. the victim, but mm-hmm. they are the custodians of white supremacy.
1: Absolutely, and the, yeah. and 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 misogyny.
0: Mm-hmm. One of the things that I'm really interested in, and before we get into the topic of feminism, is your Scots Performer of the Year award of 2021. Yeah can you tell me a little bit about that
1: so the scots language awards are um sort of community based awards that we we celebrate every year we have like teacher school a young writer which is the one i'm always most excited about Mm -hmm. book kids book things like that but that year i was actually presenting them as well as um nominated for a couple of categories and the stress of presenting was insane I'm one of these people that is very, very anxious in the lead up to things. And mm. it got so bad, like my period stopped. Like I was I was wow. not sleeping. I was I was constantly anxious. My skin was a nightmare. And um, mm. it came to it. And, and on the night, I forgot that I was nominated. And then they made me go backstage so someone else could call out my category. And I wasn't even thinking anything about it. And then they called my name. And I, I went up and tried to do a speech. And I just started crying because I was just like, I, I'm so emotional right now. I'm so overwhelmed it had been a really difficult year because that was the first year i'd started doing the scots word of the day and i wasn't prepared for the backlash and the misogyny and everything mm-hmm. so i was just, i was crying and and it was really emotional for me because it was tears of gratitude but also tears of kind of just that stress being relieved as i thought mm-hmm. okay i'm actually doing an okay job you know i'm not yeah. messing things I, you know the wee voice in my head is wrong
0: yeah and the voice in our heads telling us, "Oh, you're not good enough. or oh, you're not this. So oh, you're not enough." Ooh, I had it loud today, and sorry. <laughs> oh, it was such a weird day. But we know that voice well, and when you finally get recognised, it's that. Oh, I may actually be doing something right.
1: Yeah, that's you can't believe it. There's that moment of disbelief where you think to yourself, "I am not a failure." <laughs> yeah, despite what my brain is telling me. It's just it's that feeling that that you know you people people look at me with what i do and they think wow she must be so confident she must be so you know have her shit together she must be so you know secure in herself but i am very much none of those things Mm. and and i'm always surprised it doesn't matter what it is whether it's a job someone's offering me or you know a compliment or a nice comment or even to be asked on something like this which is amazing in my head i'm still like do they not realize that you're shit I mean, uh, how many people on TikTok disagree? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's that, it's that way where it's like, there comes a point where you're the only voice that you hear.
0: Mm. And,
1: and th- that voice is so overwhelming. It's just that kind of, everybody else will figure out one day what you know to be true, that you are not worthy of what you have. And it's very hard
0: to silence that voice and that seeking or leaning into the validation from other people. It does become a cycle of horrible feeling. Validation. Yay.
1: Yeah. Yes. Highs and lows. You're constantly chasing that. You Mm. know, why is that video not doing well? What have Mm -hmm. I done wrong? You know yeah. what? how can I improve how can I make myself more palatable to people because at the end of the day the more palatable I make myself to other people the less palatable I am to myself
0: and how do you deal with the trolls because I get enough trolls because of this podcast mm. but you get them not just on your videos but people stitching and in your lives how do you not take that and wear it on your shoulders or wear it as a hat every day
1: I find it so much easier in lives for some reason. I think Mm -hmm. it's because I know they're watching because I will in lives always refrain from giving them the reaction that I know they want. So if they're being sexual and they ask a question i'll answer it honestly
0: Mm, mm.
1: you know or if if they try and make me feel stupid you know i'll I'll act like they're a poor little lost lamb who just doesn't understand (laughs)
0: like
1: let me explain
0: it to you like it like you're five
1: yeah i'll be oh you really don't understand okay well a vagina is actually an org you know it's it's like they they want that shock value they mm-hmm. want me to go, oh no, oh, no, 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 I'm not shocked. What? We're not giving think? it to you. Here, an, a grown ass man asking me if the curtains match the drapes. Excellent, phenomenal. Well, you're not getting a reaction from me.
0: Oh, being a ginger, that must make it just doubly difficult. It's but so uh, weird to me. So weird it is to me, very weird.
1: That, like men find that attractive. The fetishization of red hair is very weird to me. I fancy women as much as the next class, but. I've never looked at a woman and thought, "Wow, her hair color is what I am attracted to." In this instance, mm-hmm. I, like, mean, it's, I, do love I mean, I the thing my I mean, it's it's class. I'm biased, but I think it's the best color. But um, <laughs> they 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 don't seem to realize the fact that redheads don't want them. They don't want the weird chaser men who are like only into redheads because that's weird. Like that's their whole personality. Very strange.
0: It's so strange. I get men in my inbox saying, "I love me some brown sugar,"
1: mm. and
0: that immediately, okay, my guy, go to a grocery store. You know, <laughs> if you're going to fetishize me, no, you're not looking at the person I am. But, but that's,
1: the fetishization. I feel is is a way of, to control you.
0: Yes, it is a method of control because they're controlling one aspect of you and making it your entire personality.
1: That's it. It's, it's a complete and utter objectification. Mm-hmm. You are reduced to your skin. I am reduced to my hair or my accent. And it's it's a way for them to feel as though they have regained power. Because mm-hmm. I think oftentimes it's a power thing, and that's why I'm extremely vocal about men who sexualize me or things like that. I don't just let them away easily because mm-hmm. that's not the reaction they want. They don't want to be told that they are disgusting. Mm-hmm. And and that's when people propose to me, I say, ooh, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. I don't respond with a ha thanks but no thanks. I don't enable it. I respond with revulsion because they repulse yeah. me. Not because of looks or because of stature or because of anything like that. They repulse me because any kind of man who feels comfortable coming into this sanctified space of a woman controlling her own narrative and uh-huh. reducing her to some sort of sexual object is repulsive, repugnant. Yeah,
0: it is. And now I want to get onto your feminism. Hmm. Where is it rooted?
1: It's rooted in the desire to self-delete. I want to act in a way that makes my activism entirely obsolete. Mm-hmm. I, I it's, it's like how dating apps say they're designed to be deleted. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to be saying the same bloody things in 20 years' time. I just want to be the last person that people are misogynistic too Mm. in that way i want to make it such an uncomfortable and heinous experience that these people are like oh my god i am never trying that shit again but you know they're just going to try
0: it with someone else
1: yeah and that's the sad part is the sort of the the snake eating its own tail because i know for a fact that 20 minutes later they're going to be telling some other lassie that you know she's hot and that's all you know but, but in my naive everything will be all right one day in mind i genuinely believe that there will come a time where women will not have to do this also i think my feminism is rooted in the desire to let other people take the mic you know i very rarely will claim to be an expert on anything least of all on feminism because i'm not best placed to be discussing a lot of types of feminism it's that like you were talking about that book that you sort of white feminism Mm -hmm. i am very much not the person who is suffering you know under a patriarchy the most uh-huh. I'm very, I am very. I do experience elements of a patriarchy and they're horrible and awful, but I am the sort of palatable face of people talking about women's rights. I am the sort of comfortable person that you can be like, oh, well, yeah, well, I watched a Len Penny video and she said this. No, don't do your feminism from one white woman. <laughs> like, that's really yeah. weird.
0: And your feminist poetry, to me, it's layered. It's layered in Scots, in Mm. womanhood, in not just oppression from being a woman, but being from a country that has been and continues to be oppressed. And where does that come from for you, like, within yourself?
1: I think when when I write in Scots specifically about womanhood and things like that, I'm doing so as a kind of a reclamation of a language which has been for too long perceived as masculine and the sort of mm-hmm. domain and purview of men, mm-hmm. which for me is important because I want to make sure that Scots speaking girls feel as though the language is theirs too. Oh. It's it's for too long been a kind of boys' club. We've got Barnes, we've got Sir Walter Scott, and, and people who will write about women in mm-hmm. the most heinous way. And it, women are to be described, they are to be written for. Mm -hmm. not to be listened to Mm -hmm. and so for me what I want to do is be that person that young Scots-speaking girls can say oh okay well she's done it so I'm going to do it and I want them to be better than me I want Mm -hmm. them to be better than me in every aspect I want them to be smarter I want them to work harder I want them to be more articulate I want the next generation of Scots speaking women to be everything that I felt I could not be as a young woman
0: and that's where you see the growth of not just language, but how we engage with it, right?
1: I think language activism is rooted in social justice. Mm -hmm. I I don't see any, any world where language activism can take place in a vacuum. And I think the emancipation or empowerment of a language can only come about as part of a wider social consciousness.
0: And when you speak in Scots and when young women are hearing what you're saying, what do you feel?
1: I feel vindicated because I felt for a long time that Scots was something that I could not use in my work and my creative endeavours and anywhere out with my house and my home. So the fact that I get to come on online every day and force people to, to engage with the Scots language, whether mm-hmm. they like it or they hate it, I am forcing people to acknowledge that it is happening that makes Mm -hmm. me feel vindicated and I really really hope if nothing else that other people can say well I can do that better and they do like I want to be surpassed you know Mm -hmm. I I don't want to be the kind of I'm not I'm not like one of these people that's like yeah I'm going to be the the leader in my field I just want there to be a field I want there to be such a big field that there's like Mm -hmm. you know so many so many crops I've mixed my metaphors but you get my point
0: yeah I get you. And it's uh, interesting that you say vindicated because I think we've reached a a kind of a point where we need a reckoning of all of our intersections. And people are so quick to use intersectionality as this catchphrase. But that reckoning with intersections of not just oppression but of privilege as well have to be pushed out into this public narrative. And I see you doing it beautifully.
1: Thank you. I think people are really afraid of privilege and acknowledging privilege. Because mm-hmm. they think it means that they haven't worked hard, or they've never had to face struggles mm-hmm. or stripes or oppression, or and it's it's weird to me because it is only through acknowledging your privilege that you can help other people and engage with other people. You know, I'm never gonna
0: mm-hmm.
1: you just sit back and say that I'm not privileged because I absolutely am. You know, the fact that I was able to grow up in a, a predominantly white country being white is already you know that's streets of privilege like that's a stunning amount of privilege. To then uh-huh. be, you know, relatively able-bodied uh-huh. is is another privilege. To be cis is another privilege. You know, even even to be, like, straight passing in my relationship is a privilege. And then to, on, on top of that, to be able to access higher education without any cost, uh-huh. because Scotland has free higher education, it's just, it's mountains of privilege. And the only thing that I can do is acknowledge that privilege and then work to ensure that I don't let that hinder my advocacy I I don't I don't see privilege as something because have have I worked hard yes Mm -hmm. would I have had to work 10 times harder if I hadn't experienced any of those acts this is a privilege absolutely
0: and one final question I would like for you to give us the Scots word of the day
1: oh the Scots word of the day today was what was it oh it was nap Mm mm-hmm nap um, is a, a sarcastic uh, remark or a jibe which I love because it's got absolutely nothing to do with sleeping <laughs> and, uh, I love that I, I, I love words like this that kind of disprove the narrative that Scots is English in an accent because you take a word like nap I say it in an English accent you go nap, it doesn't mean the same thing,
0: mm-hmm. it's not even
1: from the same language family mm-hmm. so yeah, no that's that was the Scots word of the day and I, I quite like it because I'm a massive fan of sarcasm.
0: I do like sarcasm. And I always pick on my friends who are from the UK saying that you speak English and then sarcasm is your second language.
1: Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's one of the things that I find the hardest is when I talk to someone from the States and they don't get the particular brand of Scottish sarcasm that's really self-deprecating. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, but, you know, I'm shit at that. And they'll be like, don't be so hard on yourself. You've got to believe in yourself. And I'm like, what? <laughs> 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 <Why>? like, <laughs> like a motivational speech and intervention just because i <laughs> you know, self-deprecating. But yeah, that was the Scots word of the day today. So I hope you like it. Yes. And
0: in what context would NAP be used?
1: So it is a noun. So um, I used it in the sentence. Then he me only your naps." So like, don't don't give me any of your sarcastic comments.
0: I love that. I absolutely love it's great,
1: it. Isn't it? I think it's, it's stunning.
0: Well, my knowledge of Scots is increasing because of you and a couple of other Scots creators. I still cannot speak it with any confidence. The only thing that I do use is when I do greet you and say, "Hey, Hen."
1: Yes, I love that. I think that's it's such a, a simple word, but it immediately puts me at ease. <laughs> mm,
0: I, I love it. But it's also a familiarity that this is your culture. This is where you come from. This is something that is important to you. It's like greeting somebody in their own language and or greeting somebody with their own religious greeting. Yeah, Like seeing an old woman in a sari on the street and saying namaskar, you know?
1: I, I love that also because it's like, for me, I really want to make people feel as welcome as possible. So mm-hmm. whenever possible, I try and learn those greetings that people maybe don't hear as much now. And and whenever, you know, you say that to them, they feel they feel really welcomed and they feel, you know, like, they, like they're among friends, which is what I always mm-hmm. want people to feel.
0: And how would you say thank you?
1: See, that's that's the funny thing, because you could just say thank you, but you can mm-hmm. also say muckle thank.
0: Mako, thanks.
1: Yeah, that means thanks a lot.
0: (laughs) I love it. But Len, Mako, thanks. Thank you. (laughs) It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And I hope to see you live again.
1: Absolutely. Soon.
0: (laughs) Yes.